Hey, it's Mark. This week's series of mini episodes taped live at the health conference in Vegas continues with digital editor Jack O'Brien. Hi there, everybody. My name is Jack O'Brien. I'm the digital editor at MMM, and welcome to the MMM podcast live from the Health Conference here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm joined by two guests today from Talkspace, Varun Chari and Pablo McCabe. How are you both doing today? Doing well. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. I want to start off our conversation with something that actually led off the conference this morning. They had the leaders from Calm as two of the keynote speakers, and they were talking about the importance of behavioral health and the focus on mental health that has grown at this conference and, frankly, across the broader healthcare industry in the past few years. Really interested in the work that Talkspace is doing in this area. Varun, if you want to start, and then Pablo, feel free to jump in. What has been your experience and just your own insights into how that's grown and maybe the popularization of getting treatment? treatment for behavioral health? That's a, that's a great question. Now, if you look at the statistics, the pandemic really had has created a mental health crisis in this country. And I think the Kaiser Family Foundation did a study recently that you know, almost two-thirds of Americans were impacted in some way, shape, or form by mental health issues during the pandemic. Uh, Talkspace, having been around for over a decade, we've established uh, a real good model of care with a huge emphasis on clinical quality and only having licensed practitioners and licensed clinicians giving treatment to those patients. So I was very encouraged by the what I call the silver lining of the pandemic, which is that focus on mental health and the destigmatization of actually getting treatment. So it's been very promising and it's been a very encouraging movement within the mental health field. Yeah, and I think just to uh, piggyback on what Varun has said is that I also think what Talkspace was able to do and what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic was signing up and bringing us into their networks rapidly for the need for access as well as also choice. So when we think about choice in therapy, we think about um, allowing people to find a male or female, um, someone who's familiar with a seasoned clinician, uh, maybe somebody needs psychiatry and an eval, but also it's about allowing somebody to have what we call asynchronous or better known as text messaging therapy and or live video. And so what's important is we begin to meet people where they are. And so somebody may not be able to do a 45-minute hour session. I don't know many people that have that time who have kids and a job. But what people can do is engage us and make that choice and maybe pick text messaging therapy, which we also have seen through studies show the efficacy is just the same as live video. But they're now able to access. They don't have the barrier of trying to juggle that appointment with everything else they're doing. Varun, I did want to follow up on a point that Pablo just brought up, and it was in the same conversation to start the event, which was the focus on the access issue, which is the fact that I think they said about of the 3,000 counties, two-thirds of them don't have the proper or needed mental health resources there. What is something that a company, and I'm not necessarily saying just Talkspace, but other behavioral health companies in the space can do to be able to bridge that gap? Because it is such a critical I don't want to say crisis, but an issue that we're facing in this country. Absolutely. And with access comes the concept of how to gain that access. So it'll be, it's very important for national digital health, behavioral health providers to be able to get into the insurance realm 
to be to allow for those individuals who may not otherwise have access to these treatment options to get that. So it's going to be very important that we look across the industry of not only just the concept of access, but how most Americans actually access care and make sure that we can offer these kind of behavioral health services to those individuals as well. Yeah, and I would, I would. Uh, what Varun's helped me really understand, and what we talk about a lot, is there are clinical deserts mm-hmm. in the country, right? So, to your point, a lack of access. So, how do we help people transition from that brick and mortar, right? Which sometimes can be itself uh, walking into the lobby is difficult. Taking that first step, speaking up, asking, saying, "Well, you know, maybe this is what I need." Those are all very difficult things for many people first time. So, how do we, as Talkspace, but other folks, which we really champion partnership with many solutions, look at one how to partner with brick and mortar, two also how to have good spokespeople out there to really help people normalize that therapy is something everyone goes through, and in fact, there are many successful people that have had therapy and have helped them both in their family and in their work life. And then three, how do we really make sure that they have access? So that means how do we make sure we're an in-network solution as well as part of somebody's employee benefits or as well as Medicare, Medicaid. So we all have work to do to expand that coverage, but how do we act as an in-network solution? Because that also takes away what we call the financial barrier. So that's really important as well when we think about that. Varun, I wanted to follow up with a point that you made at the panel that you were speaking at just before uh, we hopped on here, which you were talking about the importance of measurement. And I just wanted to see if you could expand on that for our audience just in terms of it's not enough to just say, here's therapy or here are the services. You have to be able to say, no, and we're actually seeing the efficacy and the outcomes that we want. Can you just talk about that for our audience? I think that's a really important point that you had on that. Absolutely. So if you look at the mental health industry in general, we are trying to move to a measurement-based care approach. And within Talkspace, we do initial evaluations, we do initial PHQ-9s and GAD-7s, and to really get an understanding of what the baseline is. And then continue to do that as the treatment goes on. And that will actually show that what we're doing is effective and is working. And if it's not, then how do we increase that level of care or engagement that that individual needs? And so it's a dynamic process. And the incentives around that are are twofold. One is that we know that the patient is getting better. And two, it's also looking at how do we then, with the payers, explain this asynchronous methodology is is actually a very good tool for treatment. And they then, to help the payers increase that access within their own population. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in outcomes and really looking at data and, and measurement. Um, and well, like I said in the, in the panel, it would be great if the whole industry gets together to come up with a standardized baseline methodology of these are the measures that we all are going to agree are important. And we're going to look at possible value-based reimbursement based on the outcomes of these measures. And are you optimistic that the industry could get to that sort of uh, agreement or what has to happen for that to even take place? I believe we're moving slowly, but moving toward that direction. And medicine's been doing something similar for years. It's just we're, with behavioral health, we're a little bit behind. And so having 
the impetus from CMS and having the payers uh, really start to move in that direction is going to be an important, uh, important measure, if you will. Pablo, I want to ask you a question. We were talking before we hopped on the pod here about the importance, and I think you just alluded to it, of having celebrities be able to talk about their own experiences with anxiety, depression, what have you, as it relates to behavioral health. Michael Phelps was one that came up. He's obviously been on the cover of MM&M Magazine before. I'm curious from your perspective, because we have so many medical marketers in our audience, just if you can talk about the value of being able to have campaigns or marketing efforts that really speak to these issues so people maybe don't feel as alone or understand that we're all going through these challenges and can feel more open into seeking out care. So great, great question, and, and thanks for continuing the conversation. I think that, um, first of all, what we discovered is one out of three Americans recognizes Talkspace, and part of that is uh, we made it our mission to smash stigma and really increase access and to really lead with that mission in, in the work we do, uh, whether it's with employers, whether it's to consumer, whether it's to health plans and employee assistance uh, professionals. I think the next road is how do we also talk about our model and help others expand that coverage. And so, yes, Michael Phelps made a huge difference in in opening up and sharing his story, not only of mental health, but substance abuse, in addition to his wife and their family talking about their experience. And so I think that allows a lot of people out there uh, to go, okay, this isn't only my therapist or my doctor telling me, but this is somebody I've seen, I respect, um, that also talks real to me. People don't want it sugarcoated. They want to hear that there's been a struggle, that the work is still real, and that I continue to work at it so that a lot of people recognize that, right? We have, many people are resilient, but we need to remind them they are, and we need to give them good examples, uh, as well as not only athletes, you also think about, um, you know, she's she's no longer with us, but Betty Ford spoke a lot to uh, substance use and mental health issues, and she came from a class that was perceived that nobody had any issues, right? Um, You know, especially somebody you know, not a conservative had any issues. And so she really allowed a lot of people to be frank and talk about those issues. Uh, We've seen a number of politicians speak about it, you know, across the aisle. They still go to the same um, meetings and support groups. And then I also think when you look at many of the candid conversations, we've seen it at levels of employers where people really see their CEO or somebody high up in an organization talk about their mental health challenges. We also see other athletes talk about it. We've seen it with some of our tennis stars. Um, Simone Biles is another good example of candidly saying this is not easy and this is what I'm trying to do. And so I think the more we raise awareness, it's not perfect, but I think the more examples we give people to talk about, um, as well as their partner, spouses, and families, people go, ah, that's me, because half the time it's also the families, if not more, that really seek the help and guidance, although they may have some issues themselves. We sometimes like to help others before we help ourselves that are different ways that we can really just bring anybody into the fold to be able to access. And so the other thing about Talkspace that really um, came uh, hit home to me and why I moved to it from where I was is 60% of the folks that enter Talkspace are new users. So there's something about that messaging that allows people to feel comfortable enough. And I don't know about any of you in the room here in the interview or in the room that can remember when a friend has said, can you help me? I need some therapy and confidence. And, you know, being a therapist, I, I, I always think, well, that's great. You know, and, and then I realize like, this is a huge step for them. And then I go out outwardly, I go, this is great. You know, good for you. I'm going to help you. And inside I go, oh God, like navigating the system of getting somebody connected can be uh, impossible. 
and that I, I prep them. I say, okay, we're going to go through a few steps here, you know, insurance, not insurance, day, night, uh, when do you want to meet? I think that's where the mental health apps really help Talkspace and others to bridge that. Um, and also, there was never a focus on quality like I've seen now that we have telehealth. So if anything, I encourage that we also do it with brick and mortar um, mm-hmm. and maybe figure out how to do that. So that across the system, uh, we are holding the standards not only to telehealth, but also brick and mortar. Bruin, I didn't know if there was anything else that you want to add to those points you made. Well, uh, the Pablo knows exactly how I feel about that. I'm so glad he brought that up. To me, I think the most important thing uh, is a combination of access to high-quality care. And the only way you can have high-quality care is if you've got an active company mantra that quality matters and that this is a very important concept within the company. And so we've had that, and I've been very, very happy with that. Um, To give you an example, uh, Talkspace has, we've got our our psychiatry division, and they're all, they're all, board-certified or licensed uh, therap- uh, licensed nurse practitioners and uh, psychiatrists, we've never prescribed controlled substances, nor will we ever. Uh, that's That was one thing. When Talkspace first started, it, the Ryan Haight Act was fully in effect. And when the pandemic relaxed those measures, a lot of other companies jumped on that on the bandwagon. We never did. We never will. And so that that's one thing that's very important. Uh, looking at uh, prescribing habits, looking at at the efficacy of what the therapists are doing, we do that constantly. So we we know that what we're doing works, and it is quality care that we're delivering. Yeah, I think you know, Varun, you remind me too, and, and much what we talk about, but is the importance of how do we measure even just satisfaction. But also, how do we measure time to appointment? How do we measure um, outcomes? So there are a number of ways in which we have begun. And in fact, value-based is here, and we are engaged in it, by the way. So it is happening. I think it's to help the system along and to hold everyone accountable. It's, um, I, I, I have a saying, and I think we share it, is uh, we like numbers which sounds a little geeky, but, uh, but it allows us to say, okay, let's look at the numbers and start somewhere, right? And also, um, let's talk with our health plans. Let's talk with the EAPs. Let's talk with the employers and see the trends. And how do we also, you know, psych, um, eval, and med management, like Varun said, came out of partnership discussions. So Talkspace started years ago, and that was therapeutic. And then as we began to expand, we said, what do you most need? And it was access to psychiatry, because that is even further down the road. So right, therapy can take a number of weeks. Psychiatrists can take a number of months. So how do we remove those barriers, and how do we make the access quicker? Because people are there, it's finding them. And lastly, what I want to say, I think that is important when we look at it is, got to get state legislature and federal government to just talk to each other to remove the barriers and allow health practitioners access to other states when they're qualified and stop making it so difficult and regulated to the point where you prevent good mental health practitioners from being accessible. And that's the challenge I think that we need to all work together to help the state uh, governments and federal government look at. 
I, and I appreciate you bringing that up. It's kind of a natural transition to another question that I wanted to bring up, which was we've seen the Surgeon General talk about the mental health, health crisis that's going on in this country that was even before the pandemic, but was certainly spurred on uh, by the effects of COVID. We've seen the federal task force talk about that every adult you know, from 65 down should be screened for anxiety. Just curious your thoughts in terms of what you would like to see take place. You talk about a better communication between the state and federal level. I didn't know if there was anything in terms of policy, mental health parity. You know, is there anything that you would like to see that would make it easier to promote access and, you know, quality among them? So um, what we have seen is uh, health plans and employers have come to us and said, would you like to work together to talk to this state, that state? I think the federal government actually is, is trying to move as aggressively as they can. And of course, as most people know in the medical field, we all watch Medicare. And that helps us set the guidelines, right? So it's interesting, right? Like, so when we, when we look at that, I think that's moving along in the sense of asynchronous. Um, telehealth, the regulations behind it. Um, we need to continue to look at prescription. I don't think we're there yet, and I think that's why Varun said we're going to be extremely cautious, uh, and we don't prescribe class 4 drugs um, or controlled substances, as they're known. Uh, but we need to continue to look at the regs and how to better enable somebody to get the access and the services they need. States, you know, it's, you know, we, it's like a family. And so um, I think there's more work to be done. I think it's a good question. I think it's, there's more work to be done on how do we look at regions and providers in those regions, because we also have some practicalities um, around time zones and the way things are managed in our daily lives. So, you know, availability. But, you know, somebody also might work a night shift, right, or work the day. You know, so, so, so when are they available for therapy? And when do we have folks that want to work and are available? And maybe some of our providers have families, and so they're better in the evenings or on the weekends. So how do we just make them more available in states that are seeing a lack of therapists? Um, or a lack of psychiatrists. And, and so I think that's what I'm seeing from uh, working with health plans and seeing how they're challenged by some of the regulations um, in particular states. There's nothing also wrong with having good regs. It allowed, um, for instance, California's always know, oh, it's California, it's regulated. Um, however, they were able to stand up telehealth really uh, quite quickly during the pandemic, like no other state, because they had already thought through many of it. So, so again, we have to look at that balance of good regulation and smart regulation with access and quality. Uh, I can tell you I've been practicing telepsychiatry since 2006. So I remember how things used to be, and there's been significant improvements in the whole industry since that time. Um, that, that being said, I think a lot of these uh, regulatory barriers have become very well known. And so you have organizations like the American Telemedicine Association that's really fighting for the relaxation of these regulations that serve as a barrier. Uh, and that, I think, is one of the main arenas that they're focused on. The other thing is, uh, as Pablo said it, a lot of what goes on is, uh, is set by Medicare. And uh, one example is that there is no Medicare reimbursement for LPCs. So that in itself eliminates a large population of behavioral health clinicians that could otherwise be involved in care. So a lot of these things are slowly coming around. 
I've really appreciated having both of you on the show here. It's obviously so great to be able to have these insights for our audience. I just wanted to leave with one last question, which is when you look ahead, this is already in November of 22, looking ahead to 2023, what are the things that you're most optimistic about, say, for Talkspace going into the new year, anything in terms of strategy or you know different things that are on your radar? I think the future looks very bright. And part of the reason I feel that way is because it's now a societally understood fact that mental health is important, that getting treatment for mental health is important, that identifying these issues before they become significant is important. So preventative care, wellness, all of that is taking a larger step. Uh, and the destigmatization of, of treatment is just a huge, huge thing. You know, and just to piggyback on that and really expand on it, I think that, um, you know, two years ago we had a number of health plans that were uh, very um, concerned about doing text messaging therapy, even though we had had a number of the studies, right? So uh, what we've already seen in those two years is uh, the awareness that access is not where it needs to be, that the system um, needs to continue to be challenged. And I think you have just new blood in general um, in many of the positions that help make the decisions, whether it's product, it's network um, from the health plan or the EAP side of the house, uh, as well as um, maybe there are also folks that have always been saying it and they're getting some support from the medical side and interest from the medical side. But what we're seeing is people more more open and willing to look at at asynchronous as one one message and how to do that as well as how you alert somebody that something's accessible in their network. Uh, so we're looking at different ways to promote, uh, but evenly promote and fairly promote. Uh, so I think, you know, we're also excited that uh, I think there are value-based agreements that are being looked at, and, and it's really about how do we measure uh, outcomes. Because if we can catch people at the mild to moderate levels, um, which Talkspace and other solutions deal with, the assumption is is that we're going to drive down cost. And also, in the end, it's why I went into the industry, which was to help people help themselves better. So how do we get better at an early stage of that? And that's where I see uh, these issues around coaching, around self-guided algorithms, and then how do we use this finite group of therapists and psych providers to then help those that need it? So, right, it's, it's expanding choice, it's expanding access, and it's also how do we work together to figure out how to get somebody through the front door, whether it's stigma, access, technology, provider. Um, so I would say in the past couple of years, I've, I've never seen movement. I, I, I've been in the mental health space longer than I care to exactly say, but I, I have I, I have to say it's been much longer. I, I mean, it's it's the improvement's been incredible in the past. I would say three years. There was right before the pandemic an acknowledgement that the stress levels that were transferring into anxiety and depression uh, were impacting whether it was political, societal, uh, the struggles with social media, and then I think the pandemic really exposed it and gave us time because we just sat at home working if we were or sitting at home, and so we had to really look at this as well as provide. So I think now we're coming through that and saying, okay, now we know better two years, three years later. Um, how can we continue to expand the access? Excellent. Well, again, Varun, Pablo, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. We really appreciate your insights and hope to have you on the show again sometime in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. 
The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.